Hello, Redemption. How you doing? Today, we're going to be titling the podcast episode, Respect Your Elders. We're going to be sitting down with one of the game's elders, Tyler Stevens, and we'll be going over a bit of information. We'll be picking his brain about the leadership group of Redemption and all the many hats they wear and what all they do to promote and ensure the health of the game that we all love. We'll also be talking about a few spoilers that have been released this previous week as we keep barreling ahead toward phase one release of the new set, Gospels of Christ. So we're glad you're along for the ride. We appreciate you being here, and we're going to get right into it. All right, thanks for joining again. My name is John Hendricks, and we are here for episode three of The Threshing Four titled Respect Your Elders. And we're sitting down with Tyler Stevens, who is one of the elders for our game. And we'll just go ahead and let you have the floor to introduce yourself, Tyler. Yeah, thanks for having me. I uh, love what you're doing with the podcast. So definitely like being on and helping it out. So a little background about myself. I started in 1998, I believe. I'm 32 years old now. So I was living down in Florida. My grandparents had a Christian bookstore and got into it and started playing with my cousins and friends. Uh, and then didn't really know what the heck we were doing, um, if I was playing the game right or not. I might still not know how to play the game right. But then we uh, we ended up moving to Georgia when I was about 10 and went to a Christian bookstore association, a conference. And I got to meet Rob Anderson and a few others there. Um, and they taught me how to play the game correctly. And I've been playing ever since. So I'm primarily a type two player. Uh, now I'm design and create cards and love doing it but i've done a lot in type two so i've won a couple titles at nationals for type two two player and type two multi and ranked in both categories numerous times i uh, got some booster wins in there and some sealed uh, rankings at least and so i even ranked in type one two player at nats so i'm all over the place when it comes to ranking i just enjoy type two from a competitive and strategy standpoint but who knows? We'll see if I'm going to dabble back into type one next year or just take a backseat and continue designing instead because this was a blast. But yeah, I've been playing for since 98, so over 20 years uh, competitively. I've been playing for about 15, 16 years. I've missed two nationals since 06. 06 was my first nationals, I believe. And I I have missed two since then. I don't know. Jay, Jay might correct me when he hears this, but that's uh, yeah, that's it for me. So I try to stay, try to stay in the game and contribute as much as I can. So that's all for me. Jay, Jay will definitely pinpoint something <laughs> that you say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess that means that you were at one point an RLK. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but luckily I was down in Florida and no one knew. So I was an RLK in Florida. Uh, and then when I went to the Christian bookstore, when I went to the conference, uh, I was actually taught by Rob, Rob Anderson, his son, and Ken uh, Shardle from Florida. Uh, Ken taught me how to play. He's still in Orlando. So they, I was an ROK, but luckily no one really got to see it. By the time I went to my first tournament, uh, Eric Largent hosted it. I went to a state. I stumbled upon the message boards. And... I, Technically, I'd never lost a game because I'd played only my, my friends and cousins, so I never lost, so I was thinking I was going to go into state, and and man, I'm going to be a state champ, and I got 
I don't, I think I won a game, but yeah, so I guess you could say I was ROK then, but that was, it was short lived. And for the people listening that may not know what an RLK is, you want to, uh, you want to speak about that definition for them? Yeah, RLK, <laughs> random little kid. So it's just when, usually when you're new to the game and you're brought on and usually you're younger as the title implies and you just show up and not really know what you're doing. Your, your job is to annoy people and you try to take out a top person. That's pretty much it. You get a fluke win and that's if, if you can beat one of the top guys. Uh, and annoy some people, then then you're good to go. This, the assignment's been covered. So, yeah, that's an ROK. Okay. So with that definition, it begs the question, have you ever been one of the upset big names from an ROK? <laughs> uh, by the t- Let's see. I want to say... I want to say no, only because it's very difficult to find ROKs in Type 2. And that's where I primarily play. I would love to get RLK'd in Type 1. Uh, and I play very defensive heavy decks. Even in even in fun tournaments, I'll play a heavy defense. And if I'm playing an RLK, usually I just have a stack of cards, like good cards. And I just, you know, hand them out to... Every time they do something, I try to teach them different, different things about the game. So I'm more helping out RLKs. Um, I have no problem losing to an RLK if that makes their day. But usually I play Type 2, so... Not as many are okay, so I think I'm still unscathed in that category. Nice, nice. I guess that makes sense. All right. Um, before we get into our main uh, topic of discussion, which is just going to be going over kind of the role and uh, overview of the elder group and giving some information to the listeners there for people that may not know. Um, this week, there was actually three spoilers. Uh, well, I guess two and a half, technically. <laughs> um, one of them actually... John posted about 30 minutes before we recorded last week, last Monday. And it was really hard for me not to get sidetracked, but I wanted to like think about it before I talked about that card. So I put it off for this week. And then Jaden hit me with harvest time in his <laughs> video this week. And he was already like, he, he was smashing my head in. And, and then he's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to play this brand new card on you. Just, because I have a free dominant slot because it didn't take all the dominance I needed to beat you. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so we have Harvest Time. Uh, the, the dominant that John posted was Voice from Heaven. And then we also have Half of the Repentant Thief. So at Nationals, Voice of Heaven was actually one of the few cards that I did get to see because I was building my team's deck for the next day. But it was one of the cards, and it was originally posted with the ability to banish all cards from all reserves. (laughs) And I remember seeing that card and immediately texting my buddy Brad, who was not there. And I was like, dude, there's a card that's going to break the game. (laughs) I was like, there's like, I'm, I'm not even going to build a reserve when GOC comes out. And I, I think the way that the ability was tweaked and worked to where it, you punish yourself to punish the opponent is actually a pretty good balance. Um, so what, I mean, I guess you're probably limited in some of what you can say about, about the overview of, of GOC, but what do you, what do you think about that card? How do you think that card's going to be used and do you see, see it getting much play? So voice from heaven, that one's interesting. That one went through a lot of scrutiny and testing and debate and conversation of, of is, is this just 
is it too much or is it is it gonna get played is it what 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 is this card what are we trying to really accomplish and we're trying to accomplish two things we're we're adding another way of regardless of protect so that's and that's honestly that's just a small thing because we have Golgotha and other things that we could do so we do have we wanted to make sure that even though yes we're going to rotation that offenses like Isaiah with Throne that just were rampant for so long CBN protections always been really good so cannot be negated protection to where you just throw someone out there and good luck so this was just one other little way to make you think about that um, or to use it at the right time also with this that i when you said it breaks the game it is i would say it changes the game because the reserve's gone we both don't have a reserve now so you could just as easily play this dominant in your deck and build your reserve towards that to not necessarily use it or you can use yours real quick and then obliterate it uh, and that's kind of what ended up happening that we have a certain maybe a theme or two that really manipulates some plays with the reserve in a different way and maybe if i could put a few extra of your cards in the reserve and we'll get to that uh, as we see with the repentant thief if i can maybe reserve some cards either from your hand or deck or territory and and put them in the reserve and I can access mine, and then I blow it up, then yeah, that was a massive momentum swing. So we neutered it a bit, and I do think it'll get played. Now, one of my issues when I was, I'm, I'm, a, new, I'm a new elder, so I've been playing for a long time, and but I've never designed cards and created cards. So this was, GOC was my first project, and what a crazy project to be on, 200 you know, largest set ever, 200 plus cards, 260 or so cards. Um, and my own issues of just maturing as an elder, developing cards was not everything has to be amazing. And I felt like voice from heaven was like, okay, it's borderline of amazing or it's just not going to be played. And I think we did a real good job of making a card that, you know, some people might not play competitively. It might not be a huge competitive it's not going to be a staple dom but i do think it'll be almost like a awesome ride you know ride on victoriously awesome things yeah to where maybe later on people which it's already getting talked about now but maybe later on people will realize this dominant can actually change the tide of a game when i play it um, i'm big on dominance doing something else other than just boom i get a lost soul or boom you you know you you can't do anything about this so i like dominance doing other things so this voice from heaven i really like um, versatility and flexibility are big with me. Uh, if, if a card's versatile, it doesn't have to have the same strength level and it can still be stronger in my opinion, or just as strong. So if I make, and you know, uh, Chad, see the tree already showed, Hey, this can be a battle winner. You can't go out with Eliezer and, and I can just toss everything now with one, uh, post exilic. The first time I saw this dominant, even in this first version, but regardless, I was like, well, we're making posties that much better, you know? Yeah. Um, this is a really good dominant for them. And there's a lot of X where X equals banished cards. So this this accomplishes a few things for post-exilics and other, other themes in general. And I think people were too reliant on the reserve. I know we did the re reserve rule, and we won't get into that. We did a full podcast of it. Uh, regardless, people were too reliant and it changed the game to where, okay, I'm going to go to my reserve immediately and get out everything. 
And now there's just different ways to interact with that. So I think Voice from Heaven will be played in other formats. I know when we see cards, we just think, okay, is this going to be in my Nationals deck? Well, you got to think how many other players there are. All the ROKs, the yeah. uh, the boosters and sealed and everything that that we can play to where if I got if I got three GOC packs or two GOC packs, however the host allows in sealed deck, and I pull a voice from heaven, it's, it's for a new player that's still exciting. Um, and then who knows what what new starters if they are going to have a reserve or whatever there's going to be. But there's other formats as well. And because booster and sealed, yeah, this might not see as much play. Um, but I still think GOC only and other lower competitive and other types of decks that this will be good, let alone type two. That's why everyone should always play type two. So hashtag <laughs> Jaden ad. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's a shameless plug for type mm-hmm. two, I guess. Yep, always. Um, so and then moving on, and we get, I guess, double dominance here, which is it's always cool to see because dominance are the most powerful cards in the game and it's it's cool because when when I first got started the the staple dominance like the ultra rares and and things are really hard to obtain from a financial point getting into the game from the very beginning so it's nice to see that there's like variety in dominance each set comes out with a couple more where you could play lower end dominance and still kind of build your deck in a way to where it's more competitive using lesser ability cards if that makes sense oh yeah i don't i don't think you should have to just buy your way to a victory uh, i think there are other dominants and and especially in this set and as we see in like a great point that you, you don't have to just have you know an 80 dollar card there's other ways to play and win and maybe there's other cards that stop dominance or restrict or something to where there doesn't have to be just rampant dominance or $80 cards all over the place, which I still think chase cards are always fun and good for the game. I just, when it comes down to, I have to have that one, like second coming changed the game. Uh, I I like dominance that make you think, not necessarily that I, I don't have to think I put this in my deck and I just slap it on the table. So I think voice from heaven and harvest time, you play at the right time and they're going to benefit you a lot. As soon as Jaden played Harvest Time on me, and he he had me go in and and load a different set of cards on the, the <laughs> again, yeah. and he said it was because he wanted to play Humble Seeker, and I remember asking him, "Is this the only is this the <laughs> only card you added?" Because I was kind of hopeful that maybe he added some of the uh, recent full art, or uh, maybe what's the other card, uh, Pride of Lions, that's not in yet, mm-hmm. and. He, he just kind of laughed it off and then later on plays Harvest Time. And the moment I saw that, boom, in my head, you speak, you talk about you want to think when you play a dominant. <clears throat> so Jaden plays this and immediately I think high places. Yep. Because Meek Souls coming out, boom, you play this. It makes Meek Souls definitely meta relevant. And Meek Souls are not ultra rare souls. Any meek soul from INJ forward will work. So it it kind of lessens. So somebody can be competitive with this dominant high places and meek soul package with some of the support that's going to benefit from having meek lost souls. So it makes it easy to jump in and be competitive. And that's also something that I will give him credit for. Jay also brought up and that it, it lowers the financial curve for a new player to get started in the game, which is mm-hmm. always a good thing. 
Yeah. So that that was my favorite thing about seeing Harvest Time is the fact that it it opens up a, a plethora of things because it's it's definitely the best soul gen in the game probably. Yep. Well, if you're willing to give up a dominant slot for it, it can uh, be one of the best draw factors in the game too. Yes. It can be one of the best setup cards in the game too. So once again, it comes down to versatility. It also comes down to player skill. And I always say when you put a card in your deck, you need to understand the full ability. And and unless in rare circumstances, you need to maximize the full ability and, and know when to use that ability. So if I get harvest time first turn, if I play, I need to know the lost souls in my deck also needs, need to work for harvest time to where they're put in play. They're doing something. Or I have a reason that I want them out. And same with Meek in high places. Do I get the draw? If only there was a theme or another card or something on it that got rid of lost, Meek Lost Souls, uh, hit them or shuffled them. I don't know. But Harvest Time, high places, that's definitely been tested. Um, and we loved that interaction because I get to draw a bunch, but I get to put Lost Souls on the table. So it's soul gen for everyone, but it benefit. It can I can make it to where it benefits me more than it benefits the opponent. But then again, I don't know how many, you know, what, what Lost Souls do they have in their deck? Do they get benefits for playing a Lost Soul? And usually if your opponent plays a Lost Soul from a deck, it always triggers. So I definitely love Harvest Time. It's It has a, a skill cap to it. Like you have to think when to use it in the right circumstances. So both both dominants, you have to think about, uh, and they, they can greatly benefit you. Uh, they can hurt you too. You can throw down some Lost Souls and give up the game yep. <laughs> so. yeah yeah um it, it's also one of those things to where every other soul gen in the in the game right now for the most part i think is kind of capped or unless i'm I'm missing something for the most part they're they're shut down with storehouse out and i know there's a lot of things that punish storehouse but this card effectively does not care about storehouse yep. so you just hit the table soul gen i don't care that you have storehouse now i don't have to build something to make sure that in order to get my soul gen working, I have to negate your storehouse. So you can just kind of, I don't care that you have that, that you're, you're going to your reserve after turn one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's one less thing you have to worry about. And then you, you don't worry about taking out storehouse. So then you get to use some of the cards that punish people for having hand protection. Some of the, the blocking evil characters and things. So I, I think it's pretty cool all around. And we wanted it to work, you know, I don't like the idea of Storehouse just eliminating a really good dominant. So we definitely wanted to throw that regardless of protect on there and make sure that if you're if you're going to sacrifice a dom slot, that more than likely you're going to be able to play it. Yeah. And then we have the half of the Repentant Thief, which is you may, it's a, a <laughs> gold hero, and you may reserve an evil enhancement from a deck. So... That that's not regardless of protectability on its own. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but you get to go and you like like you mentioned earlier with Voice from Heaven, you get to go and take their best evil enhancement, throw throw their scattered into the the reserve and then pop Voice of Heaven, get rid of it. That's, that's that seems pretty good. <laughs> it's good. It's it's definitely good. Gold was I would say easily the favorite for testing. Um, now, whether or not I think it's the strongest. Now, I had a very heavy hand in designing gold and what, what we kind of wanted to do and uh, with that. And we, we joked that maybe we designed this too well 
uh, we had to kind of cut it back a bit. Um, so you can see what it's trying to do. And like I said, Voice from Heaven with this gets paired very well and gold in general to where maybe there's a theme going. But so a question for you, what do you think is on the other side of Repentant Thief? Oh, I put this in, I put this in Discord last night, actually, when I saw it. I, I finally saw it. And my hope was when I saw that it was the Repentant Thief and Gabe came back and he, he mentioned that he wanted to show how people are transformed coming in contact with the Messiah so it's their evil side or whatever, and then the redeemed side. Mm. I was I was hoping that it was one thief on one side of the card and then the other thief on the other side. So the two <laughs> thieves on each side. I thought that would have been a really cool concept yeah. card. So I thought this was a repentant thief, and the other side could have been the mocking thief. Yeah. But yeah. I, I as far as as far as what the name is, he said the mocking thief is a another card in the set, but the ability if I remember was to take, was it, was it like taken? I, I had worked it out to where I think I had the ability. It was like taken in hand, <laughs> some hand or whatever cannot be prevented. So I'm guessing the, that's the, the evil thief that, that falls in line with the crimson theme that he mentioned in the uh, preview articles on land of redemption to where they're constantly just trying to, I guess, win the war of, uh, attrition to where they're they're just taking your resources constantly or finding ways to mess with your resources so you think you have something you come into battle you think you have something then boom you really don't have it it's kind of like that scene in fast and furious where where the guy gets out and he's like dude i almost had you you never had me you never even had your your car you never even had your enhancement this thief took it yes i i loved loved designing thieves and working with everyone for that because it it is fun uh what they try to accomplish and how they do it is very fun it's also fun playing defense like being able to do certain things in defense is fun because so much of redemption went to uh, less battle interaction at a high level of play and more down you know more down to chump blocks and give up a couple strategically and move on so i think I think defenses are going to be fun to play and people are going to actually, you're going to have more ROK wins because defenses are going to be stronger and do more efficiently. So I love Repentant Thief. He's very good. If you can finish up me, I mean, I'm a big, big bander. I like banding. So if I can throw him at the end of a band or I can band him in, I'm, I'm happy. I get to, maybe I can hit your hand and then negate something, band him in and then hit your deck too. I mean, it's attrition is a great word for (laughs) a lot of this set that uh, it's a battle of resources. So, yeah, I'm excited. Which uh, as soon as I came into the game, hooked up with uh, the Chambers brothers. So Jeremy and Jay, Jay's always been telling me, look, the game is very simple compared to other card games. You've got two resources. You've got time. And it took me a while to understand how time relates to the game. It's not obviously time and time limit, but more how many turns it takes you to get to your win condition yeah. and where you are in, in relation to getting to your win condition before the opponent. And then you have the other resources, cards and card advantage. How fast can you get to cards that you need in your deck? And it it just seems like time is already affected with rotation because you lose falling away that, that ability to reset time a little bit or, uh-huh. you know, take away some of the, 
effects of a bad startup. And I guess that that's probably a good thing that somebody doesn't get to use the reserve and get off to a fast start without falling away as a way to, you know, reset that. But then it seems like GOC is just constantly going to be playing with the other thing, the card advantage to where like harvest time can generate a lot of card advantage. You can lose a lot of advantage with voice from heaven, taking away your reserve, the repentant thief taking and the evil thieves taking things. And I, I don't know necessarily what they do with them, but I'm pretty sure they're going to make sure you don't use them. Yeah. Cause I'm not going to uh, take something if I don't have a way to use it, you know? So I definitely think you can uh, use what you take and, so, so, so you're saying there's one that uses regardless of brigade? <laughs> there, there might be just different ways to accomplish that to where, hey, if I took this, I can play it. So I wouldn't like thieves to just take something to, and not use it, you know? It's just like, all right, well, I took it, and I guess I'll just discard it so it goes in your discard pile. I don't know. So It'd be I, really cool if they took it and tossed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's a bunch a bunch of ways to uh to do the same thing you know because we're, we're talking about take and it started from repentant thief <laughs> and then we talk about take and then we're saying well what can we do with takes and i i really think josie hit on a lot of things um i'm very excited for this set i do think the community is going to love it and yes uh, i can reserve an evil enhancement but i can i can try to hit other things and and you're trying to get to a game state and like you were saying with time how many turns and i've always said if if i give my opponent more turns and more resources it limits my chances i've always want to be aggressive and hit my game state earlier and then i want to hit and i want to hit your resources i want to put pressure on you quick so it's definitely going to be a new bit of play play style overall for players that it's not just complete aggro in the sense because defenses can also accomplish the same thing i know that we we went a little long on the uh the intro portion of this and the the icebreaker which is fine i don't think anybody out there that's listening to this is going to get tired of too much conversation about it but do you do you recall in your time you obviously you've been in the game for a while all the way from your rlk status <laughs> we're just gonna have to keep bringing that up so that you <laughs> You, you acknowledge who you were to start with. <laughs> uh, but do, do you recall a set coming out? And like, I feel like there's so much excitement and it's probably just because also that it's New Testament and it's been so long since New Testament things came out. But it just seems like the excitement for this set, because um, when, when I came into the game, it was on the heels of Prophecy of Christ releasing and LOC spoilers started getting posted and whatnot. And everybody was excited for LOC, but I don't think it compares at all to the excitement for GOC. And that, that could be just because I've been around you and Chris, and both of you have built it up so much in my head that I'm just like, okay, can we get to the point to where I get the box and I can open it? Yeah. So I've been playing since, I mean, I've, I've opened up when they were still on sale, women's packs and warriors, like for way back in the day when Kings came out. Uh, I remember Patriarchs were new. So, and then, but from really being involved in the community was priests on really being involved with everything, uh, playing competitively, going to nationals was from priests on. And I, I, in a non-biased way, I do, I think this is the most excited about. It's definitely, it's, and what's crazy is I don't even know 
I've seen other sets that have way more things spoiled. I don't think a lot of this set has been spoiled compared to past sets. I, I think that might be part of the buildup and the, the anticipation. Is yep. So I think it's like Christmas gifts that are actually Christmas gifts. It's not, it's not like when you sneak in there, not that, not that <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I did as a kid, sneak in there and unwrap it and then kind of wrap it back up after you know what it is. Um, I do remember sidebar. I do remember when my, my, my dad got me a PlayStation two and I remember opening it up, taking it out of the box when he was gone <laughs> and playing it and putting it back in the box and wrapping it back up and sticking it under, under the tree. <laughs> so, and this is definitely not like that to where like the excitement's gone for the most part. Now I'm not going to complain about spoilers being released up until the time that it, it, it comes out and we have the cards in hand because that, that just keeps the expectation building and the anticipation. But I think, I think, the the mystery factor of it too is really fantastic. Mm-hmm. I I think there's a lot of reasons. So getting through COVID, uh, nationals we didn't have something released. Um, LOC came out, and then it was a smaller Nats uh, two years ago, and then we kept LOC the next year through, and so we've had LOC for two years, and I mean we're just figuring out. Oh wow, LSC was really good, uh, really good set. Like I think first it came out, everyone was was hyped about Meek and flipping everything, and then it kind of died down, and then people had to realize it's a good set. Um, I think that really laid the foundation for GOC being that much better. Yeah, because now we're starting to realize, you know what, Meek can be something. It looks like Meek's souls are going to be something. It looks like defenses are going to be fun. There's new dominance. There's new ways to interact and play. This is the largest set ever, and we're not releasing as much. Plus, the community's hungry for a new set because it didn't get one last year. Uh, I mean, just supply chain and everything happening throughout the world for the last two years. So a massive set's going to come out. I think there's so many reasons that this is easily the most anticipated and hyped set that for, that everyone's been about a set from my entire career plan redemption i think i think i recall gabe mentioning that the plan as it currently stands is not to release what the ultra rares are and i think i think that's also a big part of it too uh not just that there's a lot of cards that we don't know about but we don't know what the main chase cards are and if you think you've seen a card that's really good imagine what the ultra rares must be (laughs) and then the 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 fact that you don't know what they are to where like you open up the box and then you realize you've got the ultra, like that's something that I guess, I don't know how far back you go to, to find that. I don't know when the process of doing everything through spoilers was done, but I know we pretty much knew everything in LOC and the fact that you're going to open that box and not know what the ultra rare is potentially is a really cool thought. Yeah. I, I think that's huge. And then the artwork is getting better and better. I mean, even that the Harvest Time looks good. Voice from Heaven looks amazing. The Repentant Thief, just the, the eeriness and the gloomy. Everything looks good. Gabe does a phenomenal job on the artwork. Spends hours, hours on the artwork and, and the actual border and you know everything of the card. Uh, and that, that's just another thing that adds to the hype that, whoa, this set looks amazing. 
Yeah. And if anyone's watched the first two episodes of the podcast, I hated Angel Wars for the fact that the artwork was terrible to me. <laughs> and so artwork's like one of the one of the big pulls into the new the new card face and things of that nature. And it's gotten better as it goes. And especially like when promos come out and things like the alternative uh, artwork on cards, it is like, I I really do think that what Gabe does with the card design is far and away a vast improvement, not to talk about whoever was doing it before the gray or whomever before I got into the game, but from the old cards to the new cards, the cards look like something that you want to own and possess. And there's just a wow factor with them when you look at them now. Oh yeah, the the artwork, the vibrant colors and how it interacts and comes over the border and different things. Like when I open up my folders and I got the the arts and whatever promos and different things, ultra rares, ultra pluses in there and I'm flipping through, it's like, man, these look good. And I'll show other people. They're like, man, what game is this? They're like, this looks good. Like these the the artwork actually looks awesome on this stuff. So it's definitely it's coming a long way, but I mean, it's it's also just passion for the game, you know. Gabe loves doing that. So designing and making them look awesome is just really a strength because they they definitely look good so i guess now is a good time 35 minutes into this 34 <laughs> to um go ahead and get to the main topic here and so i wanted to title this episode respect your elders because the location that i'm in i get to interact with you and also chris fashman from tennessee to where I guess I get not insider knowledge per se, but like there's interaction with elders of the game to where kind of know things that are going on a little bit, you know, at least what you can share Mm -hmm. and other people in other play groups may not know anything about the elders. They may not know who they are. So I wanted to do an episode, just kind of branch out and give that type of information for people so that they could know who it is that's responsible for the state of the game, especially We've had two episodes of the podcast now where we're talking about big changes, and now we can talk about who the people are that make those changes and are responsible for the long-term health of the game. And so I wanted to do that. And I think basically when you when you hear the term elder as it relates to redemption, I think everyone associates that with leadership to some degree, but... I guess just take a few moments and in your own words, what do you, what, how would you describe what an elder is to someone that is completely clueless? I'd say we're an overarching being behind the curtain. Now we're just all we're looking, we're people that have been in the game and love the game for so many years that we're just trying to make sure that the game is, is healthy, fun to play. We're just looking out for the overall health of the game really um from yes leadership is big you should be in some sort of way uh able to lead in some sort of capacity and that doesn't mean you just go in and and you have leadership traits there's different ways to be leaders and also sacrifice i'd say if you're an elder you're going to be sacrificing um and we'll get more into that later but a lot of time and also from the other perspective of tournaments more so hosting and judging instead of uh, playing and uh, giving back to the community. So that's a lot of what an elder is. Give to the community in a healthy way to where they should, the community should 
to trust and look up to, hey, okay, we know we're in good hands. This person and these people in this group actually care about the state of the game, the future of the game, and have a pretty good idea about what they want to do with the game. So that's what I would say what an elder is and what we're trying to achieve. Okay. Um, so how many how many elders are there currently? Well, let's see. You got me, Chris, Marcus, Roy, Gabe, and John. So you got the six of us, and I'm the I'm the newbie, I'm the new guy. Um and so heck, I mean, I guess the overall age, uh I guess I would be considered an elder compared to a lot of the community, but either between years of that I've been playing or just overall age, but yeah, so there's six of us. Is that is that a fixed number or does it kind of fluctuate with the game and as it grows and interest is there? Or do you just have a have a number based on the need for the group as a whole? Yeah, the number's number the number would never be fixed because that's not good for the game. Oh, what what if we can't bring someone in that would be awesome at designing, creating, play testing? We can't bring them in because we have a set number of people. Uh, or what if just life happens? We've gone through so many elders because people get married and have children, career starter. Hey, I just got to take a step back from the game. I can't give as much as needed right now. And I instead, it's 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 hurting the game by me staying in this position and, and someone else can come through. So that number is always fluid. It can always change. Um, so yeah, there's the six of us right now. And that number is not fixed because it was five. And then I came in. Now, I want to say Justin Allstead's always been an elder. He still is an elder. He's just been so busy with, with school and work and everything that he was just like, it, it was exactly what I just said was, hey, right now I'm a little busy and I, um, and his, his invitation is always there to come back. And uh, he came back on this set and helped out. And I'm hoping he's a full-time el- elder moving forward. So yeah, I guess I would say there's seven because um, Justin's always been an elder. He's still an elder in the community. So but yeah, the, the number's not fixed and there's six or seven of us and said who they were. And, um, it's just kind of, and I kind of hinted at how, how long they stay. It's, it's however long that you have a passion for what you're doing, because like I keep talking about sacrifice, you want people in there that love the game and want to sacrifice their time for the good of the game. No, no specific tenure on, on that. Basically, as long as you're willing and able, you're, you're in that position if you've you've been accepted as a as an elder in the game. Yep. Yeah, where you don't get fired, you don't you're not tenured in and then it's like, well, I can't get fired. It's it's um a personal decision and hey, every, everyone should understand if you get asked to do this that it's a commitment and as long as you can make that commitment, we want you on the team. Are there I know you touched about leadership and and you want it people to I guess all elders at some point have some type of leadership trait, which is kind of part of the pool for wanting them to be elders in the game. Um, Are there any set specific requirements for, so we identify this person within the community and we've got a spot that we think that they can help with leadership of the game, but we need them. Is there boxes that you look for people to check? Yeah, it's not like necessarily a resume. It's the same thing that if I'm looking to hire people at work, I want to hire based on talent or, or based on character first and then train on talent. Um, so 
it, this is, there's nothing set in stone. This is my personal opinion. I want someone that's mature with, with what I think they have some wisdom. And then I want to see how experienced they are in the game. I, I think it's more useful. We have a lot of experience on the elder team right now. I mean, years, if you go through national championships or turn, you know, titles, however many people you put up, all them in a room and you say, Hey, you know, what have you won? What have you won? There's a lot of experience there. So you want to make sure that people mesh together, that they work well together. And that's what we really have right now is a great team that works well together. But as for a specific requirement, how are you as a person? Do you show character? And then yes, are you experienced in this game? Uh, can you think outside the box? You know, do you have a different play style? Not necessarily. Do you always play the same thing and do the same thing? Um, this is just me, what I look for. Uh, are they open to new play styles and ideas? But I'm not going to say that, uh, you know what, if you if you win nationals, you're going to get looked at not to be an elder, but the community is going to look up to you. You don't have to be an elder to be a leader. If you win, if, if I say something, hey, this is good. But if I don't win with it, people don't necessarily know it's good. Um, they might talk about it and have theories, but when you win with something and then you're like, hey, yeah, this is good. Next time you say something, people are like, yeah, that might be good. So it goes back to reputation. I think that also helps becoming an elder, that you have a good mindset of the game. So that is important. That doesn't mean you have to just win everything or win a Nationals title. Um, be involved in the community and be able to show, yes, I know where the game's at and what's good in the game. That definitely is a, that helps. That gets your reputation going. How often is there a need for increasing or, or bringing in someone for becoming an elder? So I guess you're going by reputation and whatever if you if you have an opening. But how do you guys decide that you have an opening or that you need to bring someone in? Is it just based on the workload, new set coming out? We're really struggling in this area. We need to bring somebody in for this area. Do you identify the need first or do you – potentially identify the person and you're like, this is somebody that we want to bring in because they, they care about the game. They've got a good head on their shoulders. We want them involved. Or is it strictly need-based? So a little bit of both. Um, me, me being brought on this year, I think was more of a need. Uh, and I put, I poured hours into GOC. I think that helped a lot not just me being able just me being able to take off the burden of others because people just get busy. There was time where two weeks where I, I pretty much would, could just text them, hey, I, I can't be on a call right now or I'm too busy. It was literally nonstop for two weeks. So other people step up. Um, that's why I said we work so well as a team. But we this year brought in other playtesters because it used to be like elders are playtesters, stuff like that. It's kind of we can bring on people to playtest that we trust, that we're looking for, uh, and, and they can come on to play test what we need to really get more eyes to where we're doing what we think is best, bring some more eyes in, some more thoughts and strategies to where we're making sure that we're covering our corners and really seeing, are we missing anything? To the best of our ability, are we play testing this? And hey, we saw we might need to bring on some more people. Uh, so we had some, some outside play testers come in and they came in and did an awesome job for us. So, but as for needing another elder, it's it's still a, it's still a small game in in comparison. 
I don't think we need this large group of people making decisions. It's very hard to find that cohesion. Like I said, this group right now that we have works phenomenally well together. So bringing in more people, opportunity to do better, yes, but also uh, to mess up that balance. So potential to walk the boat. Yeah, and I and not that that's a, a bad thing. Other ideas are always great. Um, I do think when people see GOC that they're gonna, you know what, keep, keep the team you got. You know, let's let's keep moving forward because this is a pretty good set. So I think that's pretty much it on that. I do know that there are competitive players within the elder group. Um, obviously, yourself, John. And um, Chris, Chris with his play group, and somehow he he seems to win RNRS every year. So, <laughs> um, but the the fact that our game is small, like you mentioned, and it, it's almost like it lends itself to something that's a lot different than other collect, collectible card games, trading card games, because you have people that are in leadership that also play competitively, and I know the the larger games, Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, Yu Gi Oh those type of games don't allow it because they don't want to skew the competitive balance by people that have knowledge of cards and things playing. But our game obviously being a small community allows that. And I think it's a really cool thing personally. Uh, that way you guys see the cards firsthand. You see what's happening with the meta shifts or whatnot to see what is playing, where there's a need for, okay, this, this is a, you know, an ability that's being exploited and we need to do something to counterbalance that. And then you know what to look for as far as building out the next set potentially and abilities. And I think that's really cool. Um, but as far as competitive players, is there a balance between how many of the elder group? Is there a balance for how many are allowed to play competitively? And do you prefer to have some that do not? Or is it completely open? Uh, yes, yes and no. I've always been, I've been pretty vocal that when sets came out, and there was nothing that anyone could do about this. It's just you have to, especially seeing it now, you have to set aside enough time for playtesting and then it goes out to print, then it gets printed and then it, Rob has to sit there um, and and package them. So it takes a long time for a set to come out and when sets were coming out in May, I was very vocal about saying that I just, that's a huge advantage for elders to play competitively when the set comes out in May. So I've always been big on the set coming out at nationals i think that makes nationals awesome so i i always been very vocal that hey if i'm an elder and it comes out in may that you know i guess i can't play uh that set that year um so from elders playing competitively though i've always then me maturing is well that's not fair they just set all this time aside and it's not their fault it came out in may they were actually doing everything they could to make sure that it was a good product what and they they should not be rewarded. So I had to just mature myself and, and say, okay, well, that's, that's not fair. They have every right. They love this game that shouldn't not be able to play it because the set came out late. But as to really, um, I want, I like to answer your question fully. Um, we we kind of try to balance how many we played just from a sense of nationals, not anything else, but just at nationals that there's coverage every day. So John usually plays and I'm going to be honest. I think it's good when elders play. I think people get excited when Gabe might be judging and the next thing you know, he's like, oh, we need another player. And, you know, the room gets buzzed like, oh, Gabe's playing. Oh, yay, John's coming to Nationals this year. I think that makes buzz. And people are going to love to beat an an elder. I would love to beat an elder, you know, prior to. that's It's great. It's an accomplishment. 
So uh, even Roy, <laughs> beating Roy in seals, Roy's going to come back and play some sealed, and he'll whoop up on some kids. So um, John plays. He was super busy last year. Heck, he's super busy this year. So uh, hats off to you, John. Keep keep grinding. Um, I definitely play. Everyone knows that. But I just became an elder. Uh, I was extremely focused on GOC last year. I actually threw together the um, Jaden's. I did a take on Jaden's deck for type two. And I had another one as well. I said, you know what? I'm just going to play this one. I'm going to have fun. And I just focused on GOC. I did nothing to that deck for a month. That deck was, and that is not like me. Nationals for type two. I'm tuning, creating. I'm doing all sorts of stuff leading up to it. Um, but I was more focused on GOC. I thought that was the right thing for me being brought on as a leader to make it a priority. Uh, Chris plays in his play groups and tournaments here and there, but as, there, as most people know, he is the online tournament host. Um, he hosts his tournaments. He's a big times nationals host judges. He prefers the community to help out the community. Same with John, but John being competitive loves to play as well. Um, and same with me. Uh, and then Gabe also loves seeing it. Um, I think I'm going to get a lot of joy out of seeing GOC. I don't think I have to play this year at Nationals. I would love to, but I don't think I'd have to play this year to get that same satisfaction. I'll probably get more satisfaction, to be honest, seeing everyone play GOC. Um, and that's what Gabe was telling me when I was talking to him about it. He loves just judging and seeing everything. Um, I've always loved deck checking. I love seeing what everyone's playing in Type 1 because I'm always playing Type 2. Uh, Marcus, you know, he's our rules guy. Roy, always, always our number one personality, amazing person to have there, helps with judging, helps with anything that's needed, anything. So I don't know, we give Roy credit, but I don't know if we give enough. He, he, anything that's needed, Roy says yes. Um, but as for playing competitively, I say at this point, it's mostly just John and I, um, but we'll, we'll see if that changes. You, you talk about the, the room getting a buzz when an elder sits down to play or, or whatnot at nationals. It was my first nationals, but I got a, I got really excited for the fact that I was going to be able to pull my cards out and help convince John to play type two to yep. increase my chances at top cut. It didn't really work out. <laughs> and I missed top cut by two spots. And who knows, you know, if John doesn't play any place type two, maybe, maybe I squeak in. Yeah, mm -hmm. I ended up losing to the guy that got second, five four, and then I lost five three to the person that got third, and I lost to after twelve hours on the road together. Me and Jeremy paired together in the first round. <laughs> it always happens. It fantastic. But uh, that, all that right there, that everything that you're saying that went through your head, and what if this and that, all that was because John played type one. You know, so I do think it's good for the game when you have when you have buzz. I wish type two was bigger to where. It's like, oh, is, is, is Tyler playing this year? Same thing with Jaden. Um, so, you know, when you have that big that big name and this person's won so much that me personally, I want to take a crack at them. If I get a title, I want to beat the best to get that. Yeah. So I, And I think a lot of the elders are, are or have been top of their game in their respective areas and what they bring to the game is phenomenal. So, yeah, I definitely think that – and like I said, each elder has their own strengths. So – there's definitely an, a different to the air. You could you could you could feel it when, you know, oh, Gabe's going to play Type One this year or something like that. So I, I think it's good for the game. Yeah, um, circling back to what I mentioned before about the fact that as you play, you get to see things that maybe um, 
to use an example is falling away and leaving leaving the the meta or or, or the field with rotation is that an ability that we're going to really miss because it it kind of allowed a player to get back in the game if they were far behind it was a catch up card and just just that as an example you being a player competitively in high level tournaments you can see what maybe is needed from the next set do you do you think that benefits i know that you're uh, you said a newbie at being an elder but you do you think that overall long term that would benefit the fact that you get to see that firsthand from your playing experience hmm cuz i got to see every year i like deck checking and i've judged other years and this year um i was judging in deck check and i got to see every single type 1 deck for you know for at least the majority Plus, I got to see, you know, all the boosters, and then I get to see all the interactions, and I get all the, the questions. Um, that That's a lot. You get to see a lot of the same... You, you get a lot of the same questions for certain cards. So I think it's another perspective. It's almost like a, like a higher level that you get to see from. You know, you get to take a step up and get to look look over, okay, what's going on at a high level we're getting a lot of questions about this. If I'm playing a game, usually my games don't have as many questions, or I wouldn't know any other questions that people are having. So I think from a elder perspective, that judging actually helps me see the overall what I don't know. I would say overall nature of the game, the where the game is right now, and and what people are playing and having difficulties with, and asking questions about, and and the meta. Um, I definitely think playing is huge and has benefits as well because you need to see in your mind what do i think is competitive and if i think it's too strong and i make it and i win with it okay it's too strong but if they beat me it's almost like good but when i'm judging you know i can kind of go and uh creep around the top table make sure there's no questions you know just to see a couple turns but i think it helps more if, if an elder judges to see the overall state of the game I can see that too. And I guess one other thing that you add with that perspective, and it's kind of like the uh, the court judge that in a tennis match sits in the high chair just so they can see see everything more clearly. Um, mm. But you get to see different skill levels of players play that same card. So whereas a card that's pretty versatile like Chronicles of the King, you can see how it's how it's being used overall. And I guess if you were playing, you would pretty much know how you're using it, but at the same time you're – kind of an elite player and depending on you only get one perspective of each player that you play versus seeing everybody use it in in various decks so i guess yeah. that makes more sense too um so i guess we can move into a little bit more of the processes of how you guys operate as a group um how many how many hours do you think you put in i guess i can only really ask you personally you can't speak for everyone else but how many hours do you think you spend on redemption throughout a week and this is only for designing only for elder related matters like calls and se- you know separate discord stuff that we do so not playing and not not redemption as your hobby i guess redemption yeah. as your your side hustle i guess <laughs> so i know i know during during goc leading up to nats we really and then following nats we we're really trying to button up goc 
I would say it's it's safe to say I was doing 15 to 20 hours a week into redemption just for GOC. How would you say, I guess if you want to share, you can also say no, because I didn't, I didn't really ask you this beforehand, but like, how would you, how would you say that spread up? So you said for, for GOC. Um, and I know that we had the reserve rule and you mentioned that you did a lot of testing for it with various decks. How much of your, your time was split, uh, split versus, uh, testing for that rule or whatnot versus GOC card design play testing specifically just for GOC. Okay. I see what you mean. The health of the game overall with like the new rule changes and, and for uh, rotation format and things of that nature. Play testing. Um, I want to just give an easy answer. 50, 50. I would once it, it changes. So from the beginning, it's going to be all design and you're not going to play test yet. You're, you're going to design read over read through them and everything and as soon as you get your the plugins created for um art or rts for lackey you tell i'm old uh for lackey and or you can print them off but once once version one is good to go okay we have a document that takes months all right we have a document we have version one then we we can test you know disposition everything we start testing so prior to zero hours play testing and then you get into more play testing um as i'm play testing i'm taking notes but i'm still probably doing like a 70 30 play test because you're so excited i'm doing probably a 70 30 play testing and taking notes um and then it starts catering off for me almost it'll eventually switch to a 30 70 to where once I I play I play tested everything I put everything together I tested out different competitive um, the reserve rule the reserve rule different offenses and defenses and everything um, and once I really felt like I had a good grasp I then started digging back into the documents and just going through different versions and reading it all from my, from just seeing everything instead of just seeing what's in my deck uh, I started doing that and I slowly transitioned from a seventy percent of my hours into play testing. Uh, it was probably 10 to 12 hours play testing. Um, and then I went more into a, whenever I had to play test and start looking over like version three and version four, when we got into that um, and play testing, that's when I went into like over 15 hours a week, not always, but a lot of times. Um, and I would be play testing and reading through documents and constantly on the discord channel. Uh, and then eventually it went down to, okay, we're getting later into the documents. Um, continue play testing and then when i feel like i got a grasp on everything go back through the final documents and do almost like a qa check you know it's is anything too strong do i, I need to pinpoint my play testing it means to be specific on what you're play testing instead of everything that makes sense um the the fact that it kind of kind of in sequences so so you you're focused on one area and then you focus on another area and you basically as an elder do you are you involved with all areas or are specific elders associated with certain areas or almost assigned to? So we know Gabe heads up the art and Marcus does rules, but does everybody have their, their niche and this is where they are? Or does everyone kind of spread across the spectrum and just you, you go to where your strengths take you? Yeah, I mean, we all know Marcus is the king of rules, so we run everything past him. Um, and then John for functionality. Does this work as intended? 
Um, Chris gets it to his play test, to his group. And then for Roy, it's like really want focus on booster and sealed. Um, does, does this work? Roy does an amazing job of does this work for just the average or new player? Does this make sense for them? Is it too complicated? Is it too wordy? Um, John took on the project with Gabe, but he, I know John did a lot of it to where with how busy as he was to where um, John made the compilation and then him and Gabe got together and they just went through what's too wordy. What just does too much? Um, and then I went through and I don't know I, anywhere they needed me. You know, I was going through the, I read through every version dozens. Some of them I ran through dozens of times as they had less changes. I went through less and less, but I went through every single version dozens of times to go through. Um, and mine was, I felt like my role was more what's competitive. Is this working as design? What was the intent for this theme? Is this too much? Is it too little balance? So I think we all kind of found our own, what, what we're comfortable in, but also you don't want to just stick at what you're comfortable in. So you want to do a lot of different areas. Um, but yes, we do have like, you would say subject matter experts. I think that's fair to say. And, and we, we lean on them and listen to their advice. You know, I'm going to ask Marcus, how does this work? I'm going to go to John and say, "Is can you break this? You know, that sounds like a good definition for John. Just take things. <laughs> how do you break this? Yep. <laughs> um, you mentioned that every elder kind of kind of helps out, but with the new sets and as they come out, does each elder have inputs on new cards, or is there a couple or or a subgroup of the entire leadership group that comes up with? The, the cards that end up making up the set or do they assign, like say say you, for example, do they give you a brigade and say, hey, we need to build something for this brigade for an upcoming set. You you start working with building the framework of what that, that brigade ends up becoming in the new set or is it everyone just kind of throws things at, at the board? So since this is new for me, I was brought on after GOC. Uh, Chris and I are kind of more designing the next sets. Um, and then I'm just going to lean on Gabe to kind of develop me as a, as a better designer. Um, Gabe's been doing it for 10 years. So I just pick his brain and, and Chris and I came up with what the new thing will be and the new, what, what themes brigades that we're going to go with and where we're going with those. And then we're going to go to, and then we already went to the other elders said, hey, what do y'all think? This is what we have. Does this make sense? Does it sound fun? Does it sound cool to play? Is it? Do you think it's balanced? Is there something we can go with this? Uh, and then we discuss it. And then that way, they just came off a huge project. I'm new. I can go in and, and um, take on a little bit more at the time. And we'll kind of start designing, which, we're, which I'm actually doing tomorrow. Uh, we're going to have a call to, hey, this is what I have so far. And let's get feedback on this to, you know, be, be critical. Tell me, is this good, bad? And let's all be on the same page of, of where our initial idea was and start carving it out. And then we also make sure that we have a vision for what's coming forward, but I won't hint at that too much. I know that's a question later. So yes, we all, there's a few people that will head, you know, design 
the set. Um, and for the next couple ones, it, it's as of now, it's Chris and I are going to be coming up with the ideas and then put them all in front of everyone. What makes sense? And then lean on each other and go from there. Um, circling back to you, you mentioned on a call this week, and I guess that that reminds me that I didn't really ask about this. I kind of just skipped over it, even though it was on the list of questions here. Um, how how do you all communicate? Every obviously, you guys don't necessarily get in a room together, but how how do you communicate? How often do you communicate? And how how's that process work? We do weekly calls, literally weekly. Uh, we took one week off. After GOC uh, phase one was sent to the printer, uh, we everyone but Chris and I took a week off, and then Gabe Gabe actually was in there. Gabe was there during vacation, which I think Chris was too, and I think me as well. Like we're on vacation, we're still on that call. Like we want to make it a priority. There was, like I said, two nights where I'm way too busy, but we call. We have weekly calls where it's a priority for us, um, and that's a minimum a two hour call every every Wednesday. Um, of course we text, like we're all friends. We've, we've known each other for so many years that we could all just text each other. Um, we also have our own discord and we, that's all completely organized into every sort certain channel for new sets and ideas and play tests and, and what are you play testing and notes? I mean, you name it, it's got a channel, uh, promos and everything, new ideas, all of it. So discords are number one. Um, we email when needed. So new things coming out that we need to actually keep track of. We'll email. Um, we emailed Rob a few times, uh, pretty much a good bit lately this last month. Um, and, and Gabe, Chris, and I are staying pretty much in constant communication on the, the next step. So pr- you name it, we, we use it as a medium. But our number one thing is weekly calls on Wednesday and Discord. Let me ask you, have you ever, have you ever gotten the uh, police treatment for posting in the wrong channel on your elder discord (laughs) to where i put um elder information or new set information in the the regular redemption channel i mean i guess that works too i was just you know how every now and then you see gabe he's like all right guys this is really not spoiler related (laughs) (laughs) he ever hit you with hey you're in the promo channel go go over yeah we'll we'll there's times where we'll be in a call and then we'll start typing up and then we'll move it over we'll we'll be in um like playtest notes and we'll start talking about the cards instead where we just want the notes in there. So we want to keep it organized. So yeah, we do a good job of, of keeping the right channels, but yeah, we have definitely put stuff in the wrong, wrong thing before. And, and it's more of like a courtesy. Hey, just letting you know, we're going to put this here. So we all know where it's at. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, so you're human like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, do do you guys when things come up like rules changes for the most part i think that's the the number one thing like rotation and i know that i guess rotation really really isn't the best way because i'm sure that took a lot of a lot of foresight so you knew it was going to happen and then you start working towards that but with the reserve rule do you guys discuss that and then is there like a voting to where it's majority does everybody have their say in their vote and then it's a majority or do you guys Make sure everyone's a hundred percent on the same page before you do something. Yes, how does that work? It it, it it's very hard to get a full consensus on anything. You know that that's impactful to the game. So it's more so, do you understand what's happening? And it just because it wasn't your decision, are you okay with it? And regardless, we're going to support it. Um, we're we're open communication. We're honest with each other, but we all know that we care about the game. 
and we have each other's backs and we talk about everything. How is this going to impact? What do we think? Well, what do you think? What, what, who hasn't talked? Gabe does a real good job of facilitation with everyone to where, hey, if we haven't gotten input, input from you, you know, speak up. We want to hear from you. So, yes, there is at least full-on communication to where everyone knows what's happening. Everyone's had input. And if someone really is like, no, this cannot happen, then we either try to discuss through that to where like, okay, well, why? Like, why, why do you really think this can't happen? Or you just kick them out, right? Yeah, we're, we're the, boom, you're done playing. So, no, we, we definitely we discuss everything. Um, yeah, things have been up to a vote before, like what do you? Th- but not not like anything official. So a few few different ways. But like I said, this team's been work. This team has worked so well together for the last literally year. Um, not last year's nationals, but the year before. I was coming back with Chris, and him and I were talking about GOC. So it's been a long time. Uh, in the works and then me being brought on and all of us just working together. It's a very, it's a very good team. Does Rob, obviously for anyone that doesn't know Rob Anderson, the creator of the game who still owns cactus game design. Do you guys finalize things and then just push it to him to get final approval? Or do you guys just have like his blessing to make the changes and focus on the health of the game and, and, Make your own decisions that way. Yeah, we, we bring him the final product, and he trusts us so much. And there's really no reason not to. He's seen so much good work through this game for so many years that he knows us. Um, to to where when we when we bring him something, it's like, hey, he knows that we did our work, uh, and that's that's good. So when you you know you bring it to the boss, he's got to sign off. Uh, but he absolutely has, and we understand that and know that and respect it that he has final say. It is his game. Uh, we just want to make it the best it can be, but it's a hundred percent what he wants. Um, or really, you know, he has final say. It's hey, I don't, I don't agree with this, but usually that that's very rare because he does trust trust us so much and knows we have overall good intentions for the game. How far out do you guys work on potential changes to the game? Years. If you're asking potential game, like looking to implement something new to the game or impact of the game like like rotation like that's been talked about for years um so pretty much from all from everything i just said impacts uh what will be the future of the game and anything that we're going to instill that we're going to implement in it's it's a timeline let's not bring in too much at once you know let's have some some chance for the community to adapt to something new and okay. People are still understanding star abilities. Do we need to bring in something? Does the game need something? What happens if we do bring in something new and then, okay, well, if we do anything, when do we want to do it? So we have a, I think we have a very good timeline for any sort of changes on when and why to bring them in. You mentioned rotation and obviously rotation takes because you need to have so many cards in a card pool that you, have as a format it's a little bit different than a smaller rule change um i guess you could you could use an example of like ignore from the past but you you weren't involved i guess around the time that that was that was done um so like the most the most recent one would be the reserve rule how how long have you guys worked on that before you decided to go ahead and we've, we've got to do something about it the reserve 
has definitely been abused. And the more sets that come out that interact with the reserve, the more it's been abused. So it's kind of been on the radar um, for the last couple years of maybe this is a little too much. Uh, and then it wasn't until, you know, LOC and really just the game changed to where you were no longer drawing eight. It didn't matter. You were just going straight through your reserve, ripping out a few cards, and boom, you're going to where if you went first, I'm getting whatever I need for my reserve, and I'm I'm exploding for X amount of cards right off the rip. Um, so we knew that was an issue, and then it went into um, an, an entire year-long conversation of of trying different things and what are we doing? Why are we doing this? What's going to work? What are we trying to fix? Ultimately, what's the root cause of the issue? Are we fixing that? So this went through scrutiny by everyone. We play tested this for hours and hours and hours. Um, and, and ultimately, we got to see, hey, let it come out. See how the community sees it. It's, I think people are going to, okay, well, I need to start going into my deck and it's going to change how it was. And I hope it it kind of eliminates that the person sits down and they don't get to go first. And all of a sudden they're like, well, I lost this game. So hoping that helps that issue. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole all the way. We'll just stick our head in a little bit. Did love at first sight. Did it push that decision to where you said you had been talking about it? You, you, it's been on the radar the past couple of years. It'd been an, a year long conversation when love at first sight came on. Was it like, okay, yeah, this is going to happen. I don't want to say it was the nail in the coffin, but it was just yet another example of the reserve being abused. And if it can be abused that way, it's just a matter of time till it can be abused somewhere else. So it, it was just, it was just yet something, it was almost like a reassurance, like, Hey, here's something else to show why the reserve is just being absolutely abused by everyone. Okay. That's fair. Um, do you guys have a five-year plan for the game when you look out? of the scope of what you want the game's future to be. I know you don't want to project too far in advance, but do you have like a five-year plan, things that you're working towards as far as growing the game um, with sets coming out? I know you said you and Chris are already working on potential next sets, but at, or at least the framework of them. But how far out do you look to try to maintain the health of the game? Years. Um, I more try to stick to a three-year plan with an overarching, what does this impact for the next five and what do we think? I have two running documents of themes, what was impacted by rotation, what I think will be meta, um, and then reserved for what is meta, um, what's the current meta right now, what's healthy about the meta. And I, I write down everything and I have themes that got hit, brigades that maybe need something, brigades that need a little help in certain categories. I also like to diversify brigades to where they all don't have the same thing. So let's, if they have a theme that maybe needs a little help, let's kind of push that in a different strategy instead of just everyone gets the same thing and you get this and you get that and they all just do the same thing. Let's let's get them more solidified. Um, and I have every single theme, Chris and I went through hours on this, uh, every single theme that got hit and what got hit and every single card that got rotated out that I think was played or that could be played and then plucking a little bit of those strategies into a new strategic approach maybe like canaanites for example how they lost something like fortify sight and canaan to where can we maybe pluck a little bit of that and move forward canaanites in in 
different direction? Maybe they, they were hitting resources outside of battle. Is there ways to, to interact outside of battle for defense to where you can block without necessarily blocking stuff like that? I really like to push the boundaries to mm-hmm. have a plan of I, what my vision is, is that you're not just going to sit down and all right, well, I can only play two or three decks this year and I'm going to lose. I want multiple brigades and themes to be uh, competitive, but really fun i don't want them all to do the same thing i want them to win in different ways to where your actual personality comes out in the deck what you want to accomplish you get to do that's honestly one of my my favorite things about the the way the game set up recently at least is you get it seemed like some of the older cards if one brigade had something that was kind of like this cool toy on the shelf or whatever it ended up getting broken down and, oh, well, this brigade gets it too because we've got to balance it out. And now it seems like you have, like, each each brigade or even even within the brigades themselves, you have um, sub-themes or identifiers. So Syrians, Assyrians, and then, like, Assyrians, for example, you have also Pale Green Magicians. But those each kind of have different strategies for how they want to get blocks and things of that nature. And I think that's really that's really cool about the game. It's one of the things I really appreciate in the game. Oh, um, yeah. As far as as far as um, review and feedback, do you guys do you guys gain any type of insight or or look for? I know you post on on um, Discord a good bit, asking about things, especially leading up to nationals. You did just to try to ask what people were playing, what they thought about certain things. But do you guys gain a lot of insight and feedback from looking at things on the boards in Discord? And I'll only speak for myself on this. I say, of course, I, I regularly ask questions. Now, that doesn't mean every week, but I feel like I'm, I'm very much in there asking questions uh, every year. I say, what do you want to see at Nats? What do you think will be there at Nats? I love having that conversation. Um, Jaden just started a KL starter deck. Uh, I was actually reading through it today. I read through it all a couple times. Um, Gabe was in there. So we're definitely doing our part of listening to the community. And and it's, there's already been examples of the community saying, oh, well, yeah, we either A, don't like this, or B, maybe this can happen. And sure enough, it, it does, or something got changed. So um, I go through any channel I can, and I just you know, read conversations as I can. And even if I'm not always responding, um, I'm definitely reading over what people are saying and what the community, what I get a feel on what the community wants. And I keep that in mind for, for future sets and moving forward. Speaking about this question, I should have had it beforehand, but I remember I was on vacation in August after nationals, the week after we went to the beach and there was this card that Gabe had and it was it was just the background image he or what was going to be the border image it wasn't even the main image and he's like okay this is the ability that we want this card to have i don't know if you recall that uh or if you know exactly which one i'm talking about but it was like okay this is what we want and we don't want it to be confusing what wording would work and he kind of let the community offer feedback on what they thought the wording should be and i thought that was really cool because it was kind of a glimpse behind the curtain mm-hmm to where you you blend you guys and then obviously you're making a product for us as players to where you kind of get on the same page to make sure that that card operated exactly how you wanted it to but was also easy to understand for the players and I thought that was really cool. Oh yeah, cuz you got to think like where does this product go? It goes to y'all's hands. So 
what do y'all want? What do you, what's, what's fun to play? Um, the same stuff over and over isn't fun. So what, what are some other ways to, to do things? So yeah, we definitely listen and, and read through that. All right. Getting, getting ready to, to wrap up, but before we, before we do that, is there anything else as far as who the elders are and what their role is with the game that, that you would like the community to know? Who the elders are and what they do. They put in, and it's, it's easy to you know scrutinize and be negative because you can nitpick and see just a couple things and, oh, I don't like this. I think it should do this. You got to step back and understand that A, our intentions are for, for everyone, for the health and nature of the game, and B, the amount of sacrifice and time put into this game. Um, like I said, a lot of the top players or a lot of the elders are not, they're not, they're not playing at nationals. They're sitting back and they're judging and deck checking and helping. Um, so it's, it's when you give constructive criticism, just understand that, that, that goes right to us. Okay. Boom. We saw it. Well, if, if, if it's rough, (laughs) maybe cater, cater, you know, look at the big picture, look at the overall product, what came out. And, and I do think the community does a great job of providing more positive feedback than not. So just make sure uh, it should never be elders versus community. We're always on the same team. And the, this team has put countless hours into this set and the future of the game. And I think it's, I think it's going to be a good one. I, I think that's a good way to put it. When I started this podcast, it was because I'll, I realized that I couldn't interact with the game as much with the physical cards, but I'm always thinking about it. I'm always talking to people about it. And I was like, Oh, well we could just put some kind of content out for the community and rotation happened. And then the reserve rule. And I thought when we did the episode about the reserve rule, like I was really going to have to temper my um, response to that because I was, I had a pretty passionate um, opinion of it and i mean i guess from our our few interactions since we've met you know i can be pretty opinionated i'm okay i'm okay admitting that and i was like okay well i'm gonna get in here and i'm just gonna i'm gonna tell people how it is and why i think it's a dumb rule because initially i did think it was a dumb rule and the more the more as time set i guess it matured like a fine wine to where it's eh, you just you just learn and you adapt to it if you're a good player you'll adapt to it and you'll still be good after that not that, not that I claim to be good myself, but it's it's one of those things to where, and then you start realizing that everybody that is involved in leadership with this game, they're just like you. They started out, they played the game, they loved the game, and because of that love for the game, they just take on additional roles and wear different hats for the long term health of the game. And I guess you you have to realize that everything that they do is with good intentions, even though you might not like it. And I I think. Like you said, the community does a really good job of understanding that. Yeah, and I and I always uh, exercise caution on knee-jerk reactions. You know, maybe maybe wait, see how it plays out, see what everything, see what the set's like, and see the interaction, and uh, until you really under grasp it, you know, understand everything that's happened, and then then give the opinion. So and overall, yeah, I think we do a great job, and um, I just want this set to come out. So as we as we get ready to wrap up here and we look to the future of the game, how do you personally think that the game how do you, how do you think we're set up for the future? Do you think 
Do you think we're we're ready to take on the future with a full head of steam? Do you think there's things that we need to get in order beforehand? How do you think we're set up to move into the future with the game? Well, seeing the last, I guess you could say, block, fall a man, prophecies of Christ, lineage of Christ, seeing what that was and how that came out and how great those sets were, and then going into GOC in this new era, I think this excitement is because everyone does trust that where the future of the game is going, I'm more than confident where it's going. Once again, the last three sets that came out and then GOC coming out, um, anything else after GOC, in between, whatever comes out, whatever happens, who knows, um, that other sets coming out, that it's going to have that same quality and, and time and passion into it. So, yes, I think that the last three sets have all been so great and the next one's going to be amazing that that same quality comes out and and not in a scope creep you know there's not not that power creep but in a uh unique strategy Mm -hmm. that the the nature the game is just going to get that much healthier the overall state is going to get that much more awesome you can play with so many different things so yeah the future of the game is in great hands speaking of the future do you do you I know that you kind of touched on this and you can, you can just say your piece about, do you think we have the right people in the the right roles? Do you think the the team, you said you guys work great as a team and all, do you think that the right people are, I guess, in the building already for expanding the game into the future? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, especially with, with once again, when the set comes out, we'll, we'll let the community see um, just how amazing this set is and how it interacts with everything. And it brings so much to the table in different ways to play. Um, I, I think everyone's going to agree. Yeah. Whatever they did on this set, do it again. And that's, that's the right people, you know, last week, because we kind of touched on the reserve rule and I thought it, it, it could come off a little bit negative Nancy or whatnot, just offering commentary and feedback on that. I had us all go around and talk about the future of the game and, what we what we were looking forward to or what we were appreciative of for the game in the moment that it is right now and the immediate future. So um what what do you what do you think you're most excited about for what the game is? You've been involved for years. Um I guess we'll go ahead and use use the example one more time all the way from RLK to graduation to now you're 32 playing and you're an elder. What what do you think about the game right now that that's that you're most appreciative for or that you're most excited about as we move into the future? Hands down, easiest question you've asked all night <laughs> is the QR code. So Chris and I talked about a QR code years ago. Um, and then when we got the blessing, yes, I went ahead and designed the QR code, got it ready to go um, and, and set it all up. And so it's not my baby. It's just, I thought it was great for the game. So any packaging that comes out is going to have the QR code. So you just, even, even when you see redemption, like you don't even have to buy it, just scan the QR code and boom, it brings you to all the links. I mean, uh, we're going to have both, both main uh, sellers on there. We're going to have, so what we got three lines gaming, your turn games. We got uh, redemption with Jaden and land of redemption. Um, the rule book, what we're doing with the new rule book, just hint at that, is going to be phenomenal. So I'm very excited for the QR code and what 
that project entails for new players uh, and just the overall ease of access into the game. And I think that was a huge barrier for new players was finding this community because the community is so good. They just have to find it. Yeah. Now you got it. It's right there. Take your phone, scan it. Boom. You're there. So that's what I'm most excited about. Hands down. Awesome. I, I didn't even know that that was, that was happening. So I guess that's kind of a, a medium level spoiler here. There you go. It's a big one. I know that we talked about it when we did the Royal Rangers demo um, back this, I guess this summer, actually might've been spring um, in Alabama. We did the Royal Rangers demo and, and we were like, if we had something we could just give them, if you could just give them. And if you have a QR code, you could, you could copy that image and put down on cards that you could just hand out to for when you do demos like that. Yep. So, so that, that's pretty cool. Oh yeah. Um, so I guess we'll get ready to wrap up here. And I would like to say, if you've held, held on to the whole conversation here, I know we went a little longer than normal, but I think it was for good content because I think a lot of people don't necessarily know who the elders are. They, they kind of associate the term with leadership, but how much of the ins and outs go into it, how much work goes into actually making sure this game stays above water and continues to be an option for people to play and whatnot. And I think I just wanted to take time to spotlight that and use the platform that I've created with the podcast to provide that information to people. So if you've held on this long, thank you for, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Tyler, for, for sitting in and talking about it. I know that both you and I can be long winded. So (laughs) that, that probably helped push the, uh, the time here, but I definitely want to say thank you for coming on and, Maybe maybe in the future we can sit down and talk about kind of the meta shift with rotation and things because I know you, you enjoy talking about things like that. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely plan on that to where maybe stick to a few less topics because so, I know how I get. Um, yeah, you put both of us in the room. So, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk on that. I appreciate it. This, this is awesome. I love the podcast. So I'll be listening to this one either way. So I, I thank you for doing this. Before we let you go, one, one final question that just hit me. And I guess I think I, I've probably asked Chris this a couple of times, but could, would you just like to, for the record, state why the elder group and why leadership hates Genesis? <laughs> and if you don't, if you don't understand why I'm asking that question, people out there, listeners, just look at Jeshua and then look at uh, Rue the shepherd and tell me which one of those is better. And they, they have basically the same ability, but one's limited. And then one, oh, you can splash it in anything. Cannot be negated in battle. Play a fortress. <laughs> Genesis has a lot. Genesis has a lot, but but they're not cohesive and they don't work together unless you manipulate things. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, Flood Survivors were great for so long. And and now you got, you know, Laphis. You had a love first sight deck last year. That was just pretty much creation of this world. New beginnings always been an issue. I, Genesis has always been an issue, so maybe that's why. When you have to errata a card so many times and you got to judge, you know, as soon as someone gets a, as soon as we hear the word judge and we see a new beginning, it's like, uh, great. So maybe that's that's where a little bit of the uh, love-hate came from. <laughs> see, guys, immediately we're already down a rabbit hole, but we'll go ahead and cut the conversation <laughs> off here. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.
Thanks again so much for joining us on this, the third episode of The Threshing Floor. That's three episodes in the books. And we appreciate you sticking around if you made it to the end of the conversation. I know it ran a little long, but definitely want to thank Tyler for coming on and giving us a bit of an overview and some information about the leadership group and redemption that maybe you all didn't know. And hopefully you learned something along the way. Again, whether you're listening to this by way of the YouTube channel, if you're listening to it on Apple, um, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to it, Land of Redemption, appreciate you tuning in. And make sure if it's one of the podcast libraries where you can give a review, you go ahead and leave us a review. We appreciate you being here. Thanks again. Peace. See you next week.